are cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin the Wild West of investing? Or do they represent the future of global commerce? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Much of the media coverage surrounding the peer-to-peer currency called Bitcoin has been negative, which isn't surprising considering revelations that Bitcoin had been used to fund drug deals and other shady doings. We're talking, after all, about a computer-generated currency that is virtual, unregulated, decentralized, and not tied to the assets of any nation. No wonder that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have raised suspicions in the minds of governments, investors, and consumers. Recently, though, Bitcoin took a big step toward legitimacy with the announcement that it will be accepted by PayPal as a form of payment for online purchases. Additional services and retailers are sure to follow. One that has already signed on is eGifter, a seller of digital gift cards. It's now accepting cryptocurrencies on behalf of more than 200 major retailers. My guest today, eGifter founder and CEO Tyler Roy, explains how he came to trust Bitcoin and how he thinks the future of the currency is shaping up. Bitcoin's setbacks, he says, were just blips in the road. So here is my conversation with Tyler Roy. Tyler Roy, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I want to start in our discussion of Bitcoin by talking about the recent actions of PayPal uh, moving toward acceptance of Bitcoin. Can you tell me a little bit about what PayPal did? Well, PayPal uh, made some partnerships with some of the the, the, the most prominent uh, uh, Bitcoin payment processors to, to to be able to uh, add uh, Bitcoin as a payment option for the merchants that they provide the payment services for. Um, so it was a, a pretty bold move uh, to, to make Bitcoin more uh, widely available at the point of sale. What had been PayPal's attitude uh, up to this point? Had it expressed a, an opinion of Bitcoin before of any kind? You know, you really hadn't heard much from uh, PayPal uh, on, on Bitcoin, but it it seemed that it was consistent with, you know, their, their their moves to continue to really do things that were disruptive in the payment landscape. I mean, they, they, and they bought Braintree, which has the Venmo Touch thing, which is all about frictionless mobile commerce. And, of course, they have the PayPal wallet. Um, so it, it didn't really surprise me that they embraced, uh, they embraced Bitcoin, but uh, it, it certainly uh, was good news for folks who uh, have an interest in Bitcoin. So you consider it significant toward the overall acceptance of Bitcoin, this action of PayPal's? I do, because, you know, there's sort of a network effect that needs to take place in order for Bitcoin to go mainstream. And if um, if consumers start running into uh, the option for Bitcoin uh, payment in, 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 in retail establishments that they trust and have relationships with, 
uh, they're more likely to have a favorable view of Bitcoin, and they're also more likely to have their interest peaked and, and perhaps start uh, experimenting with Bitcoin themselves. So I think it's a very important uh, uh, move for, the, for mainstream acceptance of Bitcoin. Okay, now we have Apple's digital wallet. What is that all about in terms of its relationship to Bitcoin? Is that going to accept Bitcoin as well? You know, it's hard to say exactly what Apple will do, but it certainly seems like uh, it, it's it's in the equation. Um, you know, just the whole idea of having a digital wallet, in, 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 in theory, uh, you're going to want to have multiple forms of digital payment options inside that wallet. I, I you know, uh, Apple, it's hard to say just how... Uh, open they'll be and how, how much they'll embrace things. But I think the signs are there that they will, in fact, be looking to embrace uh, Bitcoin and, and other things. And I do believe that uh, they're also quite likely to increase the amount of consumers that have a digital wallet as part of their life. So if you turn the clock ahead a year from now, um, I think Apple's moves will uh, will significantly uh, move the digital wallet forward. And that's not a bad thing for a, a digital form of payment like, like Bitcoin. I don't want to get off too much of the subject of Bitcoin, but I would appreciate it if you could clarify what distinction, if any, there is to be made between the PayPal model and the Apple digital wallet. You know, I just think that the Apple wallet, because it's going to come installed, obviously, on every uh, Apple smartphone that gets shipped and work, you know, seamlessly in tandem with the uh, NFC-enabled devices uh, that, that Apple is now sh- finally shipping. Uh, they've included NFC in the iPhone 6. It's just more likely, I believe, than, than PayPal to uh, to win wide consumer adoption. So there really uh, probably isn't a huge difference uh, between the two different digital wallets other than the fact that Apple has uh, the potential uh, to create something that's going to have broader broader consumer adoption sooner rather than later. So essentially it's a new angle on the same concept. There's a lot of similarities. There's obviously nuances in execution, and, and uh, you know Apple's done a pretty good job of making what they're doing sound rather unique. Whereas, uh, you know, arguably it's it's not all that different than let's say what Google's doing with the Google Wallet. And I, I think that uh, you know Google uh, also is the other company that's sort of in a great position as it relates to um, to their digital wallet. All right, let's talk about the regulatory side in the United States for a moment. I know that the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, has been pushing toward some consideration of Bitcoin, and now the Federal Trade Commission has taken some action. Can you talk about that? You know, I try to keep up on all of the uh, the trials and tribulations of, of, of the regulatory landscape, but what I can say is that more regulation that makes it uh, feel like a safer bet for consumers and also helps uh, retailers, large and small, have peace of mind that that this isn't some that they're not playing with fire. That this is some something that uh, is uh, is on its way to mainstream and a, a, a clear regulatory environment is part of that. So uh, typically, unless something comes down from a regulatory standpoint that makes uh, that that that's particularly focused and negative and looking to thwart uh, Bitcoin, I would say that um, the uh, uh, additional regulation is actually a good thing for the. Uh, the maturation of Bitcoin. Are you at eGift or comfortable with Bitcoin at this point? And if so, what did it take to get you there? What it took to get me there was pretty simple. We found um, these providers such as uh, Coinbase, who's our Bitcoin uh, processor, that that basically made it so that I never had to touch the Bitcoin, right? So there was a couple of things that I was concerned about as it related to touching Bitcoin. One, uh, as, a, as a retailer, I didn't want to hold it and be subject to the market fluctuations. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a relatively low-margin business selling digital gift cards, and my profit could be lost you know, with the so with the, uh, the volatility of Bitcoin. 
Um, so I, I need to get it to cash right away. And I also just didn't wasn't sure what, what you know what the regulatory landscape was going to look like. Therefore, I didn't want to touch the Bitcoin at all. So Coinbase uh, it made it possible for me to accept Bitcoin as a merchant uh, and turn it into cash in real time at the moment of the transaction, and then send me my cash so I don't have to own, I don't have to touch the Bitcoin. So that's how I got comfortable with it. Now going back over a year, I would say at this stage of the game, there's been a lot more regulatory certainty, and it should be even easier for a, a you know a merchant to get comfortable with accepting Bitcoin. And certainly when when PayPal brings it to you as a payment option, you you probably can feel pretty good about it. So you yourself do not amass a position in Bitcoin in terms of what you do at eGift, or you do convert to cash right you know right away, right? Right away, yeah. I mean, if, if we were amassing a position, especially given the low margins of our business, we would essentially be Bitcoin traders, and we're not. We're in the, we're in the business of um, of selling digital gift cards to consumers and building software that enables retailers to to, to sell to do digital gifting um, and. You know, so that's our business, um, and and Bitcoin certainly a part of that because we have a strong Bitcoin following, and we we do serve a great value to the Bitcoin community, giving them lots of places to spend uh, to spend their Bitcoin. But uh, at the same time, uh, it, you know, we don't want to we don't want to shift our business model to be Bitcoin speculators. So we, uh, we 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 don't hold the Bitcoin. Now there have been some bumps on the road to Bitcoin, obviously. Among them, the the downfall of the Silk Silk Road uh, setup and the collapse of the Tokyo-based Mt. Gox exchange. To what extent were these setbacks in your mind? Did they cause you to have any doubts about Bitcoin, or were they just just that, just bumps in the road toward the progress of something that really is moving forward? Yeah, I mean, from a from mainstream consumer standpoint, it was uh, it, it was the first time they'd come in uh, in, in touch with. With, with Bitcoin, so they they um, they heard about it. So it, obviously, to have that be negative, to have a negative image of Bitcoin in their mind because of it involved with, let's say, this type of nefarious activity or or, um, or 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 volatility as it related to what happened with um, with Mt. Gox, uh, that was that was bad for Bitcoin. It didn't it didn't shake me up at all. I just considered these sort of normal speed bumps early on. I mean, I, I was in the internet. Services business back in 1995 got into business very early uh, back then. And I remember people uh, thinking similarly about the internet. You know, people were using it for all sorts of unscrupulous things. And I remember experts saying, "No one will ever be able to safely buy anything over the internet." And I kind of laughed at that. Uh, I feel similarly about Bitcoin. I mean, underlying technology of cryptocurrencies is an important uh, uh, important set of technology that's going to be part of the future of payments. Those blips on the road were just that, and they'll be forgotten. And the consumer's perception of Bitcoin will turn positive as uh, they see Bitcoin more and more in their everyday. They'll forget it's you know these, these these events at the beginning, and they'll 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 equate it with the thing that they use to pay at the local grocery store, assuming that their local grocery store takes Bitcoin. How long have you been at eGifter accepting it? So we started in the middle of 2013 uh, accepting uh, Bitcoin, and uh, you know we looked at it for quite a while before that and it wasn't until uh we found one of the uh we found a processor uh, again coinbase um that we got comfortable enough uh that we were willing to begin taking it as a as a payment option and since that time what have you seen in terms of your customer base how popular has it been in terms of customers doing business with you and what is your impression of the degree to which your customers are accepting bitcoin as of right now well what happened is uh, uh, you know, we really got a strong following from the, the the Bitcoin community, the folks that gather on places like Reddit and, and blockchain and, and, and use blockchain on a day-to-day -day basis and just really are 
excited about Bitcoin. Some of them are perhaps were perhaps were perhaps speculators or miners. Others were maybe other entrepreneurs doing things within Bitcoin, and they found themselves holding Bitcoin, and then they found it going up in value. So there was a bunch of Bitcoin wealth created. And there was a, a need for them to have a place to spend it. And uh, you know, we gave them not just a place to spend it, but the ability to buy digital gift cards for over 200 brands. So we gave them a lot of options, and they embraced that. And we got uh, a pretty big following from it. And it's been very good for the business-to-consumer side of our business, where we have these mobile apps for Android and iOS on our website uh, that sells the gift cards. And uh, you know, we're, we're happy to serve that community, and we work hard to bring more and more brands uh, that they ask for so the consumers give us feedback and try to bring more brands. So you have no trepidation about the model by which Bitcoin operates, the manner in which Bitcoin are generated, and the fact that there are, at least at this point, only a finite number of Bitcoin in the world. That doesn't give you pause at all? Well, I suppose if I was a major Bitcoin speculator, I'd probably have to spend more time thinking about those issues, but I'm not, right? We're really just servicing the community, and as it grows, challenges, it's, it seems to be overcoming them. The community seems to be staying relatively strong. There are times when Bitcoin drops in price, and then it seems to you know, come back up, so it's been reasonably stable over the last number, uh, number of months. So, no, we don't lose a lot of sleep over it. Um, you know, as long as there's growing interest in it, then we're in the right place. And moves like the PayPal um, you know, announcement, we get very excited when we hear that because we, we, we feel like all that's just likely to do is, is make more Bitcoin users. And, and again, you turn the clock ahead a year, I think there'll be a lot more people using Bitcoin than there are today. How many other cryptocurrencies are out there that have some degree of validity? And, and what are you accepting or not accepting based on that? The other two that we decided to accept were um, were Litecoin and Dogecoin, and we partnered with um, with GoCoin, who was uh, the day that they they brought those currencies live back in April, I believe it was. So we were the first uh, uh, partner that went live with them on launch day with those two currencies, and we did it um, based on a combination of our own uh, research as to ones that we thought had a chance of gaining some traction as well as GoCoin's opinion and their research that made them embrace those currencies and, and start offering them as payment options. They're still kind of chugging along. I would say uh, Dogecoin was fledgling there for a while, but it seems to have come back a little bit. Um, I think they all have a chance, um, if you really get into the nuts and bolts of it all, each alternative coin um, claims to have some technological advantage over Bitcoin. We're not that deep under the hood and, and don't don't have any strong beliefs about one coin over another. But we feel it makes sense to embrace at least a, at least a few, and let's see where it goes. Uh, I, I, we don't have any other plans to add any others at this moment, but... Uh, but we're certainly open-minded about it. I just wonder if it raises a possibility of kind of a chaotic environment in terms of trying to assess uh, exchange values. I mean, what if I go to eGifter and I want a uh, a 10-Bitcoin gift certificate uh, versus a 10-Bitcoin GoCoin certificate? You know, how do I even assess or how do you assess the value of those things? That's the best part about using these providers that we work with. We're, in a, we're selling a $100 gift card. Pick a brand, right? You know, whatever the brand is. We're selling a $100 gift card for that brand. Whatever the amount of Bitcoin or Dogecoin or whatever that's needed at the moment in time to buy that is calculated at that moment in time by our partner processor. And then that's how much the consumer needs to part with, whatever, whatever Bitcoin that is, right? So um, when, they, when, they, when they part with that, then the processor takes that and they turn it into cash and they, they send the cash to our bank account every day. 
really there's nothing for us to do um, on our side except continue to do what we do already, which is sell $100 cards for 100 bucks. And, you know, of course, we have every denomination uh, imaginable. Most of our cards are variable denomination down to the penny. And certainly it sounds like you have successfully shielded yourself from risk to the greatest amount possible. Is that correct? Or is there still some risk to you at, at any point here? You know, we don't feel like there is. I mean, I, I think that was the business model of companies like uh, Coinbase and GoCoin, uh, very innovative, was they recognized that the number one impediment to um, to these uh, currencies getting off the ground was going to be uh, a small merchant or a large merchant's uh, uh, adversity to the risk. And so they came up with a model that literally shielded us from the two types of risk, the regulatory risk and the, and the market fluctuation. And when you look at it from that perspective, um, you have to ask yourself, why isn't everybody just signing on with one of these guys and taking Bitcoin? And I think that was probably PayPal's take on it as well, which was, hey, you know, this is a pretty safe model. Um, and uh, this is this is a value add we should bring to our merchants. And uh, uh, I, I would say PayPal did it ahead of my most optimistic forecast of when that would happen at that level. Uh, but it, it's additional validation that uh, it's time for every merchant to consider start, starting to take Bitcoin. Now, we are in a global economy, so it would seem like in order to achieve credibility for any of these currencies, it has to be global. Um, what is your impression? It sounds like there are a number of countries that are either accepting or accepting with reservations or some regulation. Do you feel that Bitcoin specifically is getting international acceptance? It's moving very quickly here in the U.S. and, of course, to keep up with the regulatory um, landscape in every market around the world um, would be would be difficult. We constantly are hearing, you know, different updates and stories about uh, the sort of change in status of Bitcoin and other geographies. You know, if you asked me, if you gave me a list of 20 geographies and said, tell me the state of Bitcoin's regulatory environment in those 20, I couldn't do it. Uh, I'd, have, I'd have to go back out to Google and, and, and get myself caught up. What I can say is that there's going to be a lot of change, but ultimately it's going to get to a place where in most cases it's going to wind up being an acceptable form of, pay, of currency. It's not going to be outlawed, if you will. And it's also going to get to the point where there's regulatory, enough regulatory certainty that both the merchants feel comfortable and the consumers feel comfortable uh, embracing it. Uh, for, for markets that decide to uh, regulate it out of existence, well, I think they're, I think they're making a mistake. I think they're being short-sighted, um, but uh, obviously to each their own. We have talked about consumer acceptance or consumer, consumer sentiment toward Bitcoin. What about the merchants, both on the e-tail and the brick-and-mortar retail side? What is your sense of that right now in terms of their level of acceptance? I would say that a lot of larger merchants still aren't there yet. I mean, this is a boardroom decision uh, for most of these big, uh, these big retailers. I mean, you've seen the biggest retailers we've seen come on is, uh, you know, uh, Dell, o Overstock, um, uh, Tiger Direct, right? You saw uh, Dish Network accepted, which I thought was interesting given the recurring nature of their billing model. But that was an interesting move. And you'll see more. Um, you're definitely going to see more. I, I think at some point it's going to be a domino effect. A couple of the really big ones, the household names, are going to take it. And then, of course, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in the boardroom of the other large um, other large retailers saying, you know, why were we not first <laughs> to accept it? And, of course, it's because no one wants to take the risk of being uh, too aggressive, but at the same time, uh, it, it should be a it should be a domino effect, and we'll see a lot of uh, a, a lot of large brands are starting to take it at some point going forward. In this question, I guess I'm looking for your comment, kind of outside the world that you do business, and that is kind of outside the whole retail environment. 
Since we do cover the supply chain, we wonder to what extent Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies become currencies accepted within supply chain type transactions like upstream with manufacturers and suppliers and all those multiple tiers of partners along the way. Do you look at that in any way and see whether Bitcoin or other currencies like it could become uh, a method of payment in that area or, or how close that is well, to becoming a reality? Yes, certainly. I mean, let's look at some of the primary value propositions of, of, of Bitcoin. It's great for micropayments um, because sometimes the cost, the base cost of a, of a single transaction could be too high, so a micropayment doesn't work well. So if you've got supply chain relationships where there's micropayments happening, there's potentially some value there, especially if there's, if there's significant transaction costs for the legacy systems. Uh, clearly in a business-to-consumer transaction, there's significant transaction costs for you know, selling something for 99 cents, for example. Another thing is um, is fraud. So again, if there's if there's places in the supply chain that are subject to fraud, as there are in the business to consumer um, sale, uh, such as online online commerce, where not only are the merchants subject to fraud, but they're also responsible for the chargebacks in a card not present transaction, meaning uh, as opposed to a brick and mortar transaction where they physically hold the credit card online, um, they're they're responsible. So uh, that's another area where where a cryptocurrency comes in handy because there's really no opportunity for fraud because of the way the whole the whole, the whole system works. Um, if some of those challenges um, exist within the supply chain and cryptocurrencies can be part of the solution, then I would argue that they'll likely become part of it. Uh, but I don't have enough uh, visibility into challenges in the supply chain to, to, to comment on that. Are there places where it's not feasible to to use cryptocurrencies in any type of financial transaction whether on the B2B or B2C side for any reason? Yeah, the scope of that question is so broad, I, I don't know that I could answer it. And again, most of my focus has been on the use of Bitcoin in both uh, in, in, B, in B2C purchasing, both online and in brick and, and in brick and mortar. So um, I'm sure there is plenty of other innovative uses for, uh, for, for crypto cryptocurrency. I've heard all sorts of different creative ideas as to how it's going to be used, but nothing comes to mind immediately for me as one that just for some reason or another would not work uh, with, with Bitcoin. I think it has broad applications uh, that, uh, that you, you probably would need to find experts in each, in each, each discipline um, to, to more intelligently comment on how it, and how it could or could not be used. Certainly, we can expect to see governments waking up, though, can we not, that more and more regulation coming down the pike affecting Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. I think for sure, and again, it's it, 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 I hate to say regulation is a good thing, but at a certain point in the life cycle of anything, more regulation is what gives it the certainty, the stability, the confidence, and, and the support that it needs to become something that's mainstream. Now, obviously, anything taken to an extreme can be unhealthy. So I would, I would, I would hate to think that we need that we wanted up uh, kind of overreacting and shooting for an extreme to achieve the mean. Because when something's fledgling and trying to get traction, it could get regulated out of existence if they're not careful. But I think that the regulatory actions that have been taken to date seem to be thoughtful and don't seem to have the intent of looking to shut Bitcoin down, but rather support it in a way that gives it an opportunity to realize its potential. So that's pretty encouraging. Well, it's really interesting to see how far Bitcoin has come, and I'm pleased to speak with you, Tyler, about uh, eGifter and, and its own position on it. 
I guess we'll be looking to the future to see the continuing development of the currency and others like it. But, uh, Tyler Roy, I do want to thank you very much for being with us and talking to us about this issue. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. That was my conversation with Tyler Roy of eGifter, discussing the future of the cryptocurrency Bitcoin. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Happy New Year from Supply Chain Brain, and see you next time. <laughs>